Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. everyone i'm guile guile and subterfuge on tumblr and door podcast on twitter and tonight i'm joined by clotho hi i'm clotho you can find me at clotho spindle on twitter and comma hi this is comma and you can find me at grammar saves lives on tumblr and we have a couple of guests tonight we have argistar hi i'm argistar and argistar on tumblr and amy hi i'm amy and you can find me at stinking goose on twitter and tonight we're going to be covering Tyrion 2 from A Clash of Kings, and so I want to give our blanket spoiler warning as well as a trigger warning for potential rape discussion. And I want to give a little bit of a overview of what's happened since our last episode. Um, Bran in Winterfell continues to have these incredible vivid wolf dreams, while Rickon is making friends with the Walders, who've arrived at Winterfell to be fostered as part of Rob's agree- agreement with old Walder Frey. Yorin and his ragtag band of children, secret bastards, hardened criminals, and hot pie are accosted by gold cloaks, who it turns out aren't looking for Arya, but are instead after the bull, i.e. Gendry. Arya also starts to make friends with the mysterious and sexy, we assume, Jack and Hagar. <laughs> John and Sam, you know, it doesn't say he's sexy, but he is, right? Um John and Sam prepare to head north of the wall as part of the Great Ranging, and Sam's totally trying to avoid going, but he's needed to care for the ravens. They discuss a little of Aemon Targaryen's backstory, and we learn a bit about how he declined the throne and joined the Night's Watch to secure the reign of his younger brother Aegon, who we, of course, know and love as Egg. Lord Commander Mormont draws the obvious parallels between Emmon and Egg and John and his now kingly brother Rob, and he wonders whether John is jealous or troubled and what he's going to do. John says he'll be troubled and keep his vows. And finally, at River Run, the hapless Cleos Frey is sent to King's Landing with peace terms, while Cat and Rob deal with Rickard Karstark being an unreasonable dick, and Rob decides to send Theon to Pike to parlay with Balon Greyjoy, and Cat to do the same with Renly Baratheon. And one thing that's interesting is throughout all of these chapters, we see the comet continuing to send its mysterious message in the sky. <laughs> So not um you know not that much time it seems like has passed um, since our last Tyrion since our last Tyrion chapter but Tyrion is now settling in for a fantastic sounding dinner with the newly <laughs> minted Lord of Harrenhal. He hired the finest cook in the city, and on this night she's prepared a feast of oxtail soup, summer green. I feel like a, I'm like a waitress. <laughs> well, tonight's special is <laughs> oxtail soup. With summer greens tossed with pecans, grapes, red fennel, and crumbled cheese, hot crab pie, spiced squash, and quails in a buttery sauce. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Um, each course comes with its own wine, and Jano Slint, who is Tyrion's dining companion, has gotten very drunk, while Tyrion has uncharacteristically moderated his consumption a little bit. And you know, Tyrion's really working on the loose lips sink ships principle here. And he's pouring Janos wine in hopes that he'll spill some secrets. They discuss who should replace Slint as the leader of the City Watch, and Tyrion confesses that he's considering Jacelyn Bywater. 
but Slint recommends Alardim, who is apparently highly feared in the streets. And it turns out that Deem's the man who killed Robert's baby bastard daughter and her mother. And Tyrion asks why Slint chose Deem for that task, and and, uh, Slint says, A good commander knows his men, Tyrion. Some are good for one job, some for another. Doing for a babe and her still on the tit, that takes a certain sort. Not every man would do it, even if it was only some whore in her whelp. I suppose that's so, said Tyrion, hearing only some whore and thinking of Shay and Tisha long ago and all the other women who had taken his coin and his seed over the years. So it's a real um, kind of a sad start to the chapter. Yeah. I like the... Uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I just... Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, of course, a, a different kind of wine for every course. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't that what you're yeah. supposed to do? Like, if you actually know what you're doing and you're not like me and buying the stuff that's super cheap? Right. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> no, the way he, um, like, contrasts Tyrion and Janos, the way they're eating, you know, he makes a, goes out of his way to talk how Janos is, like, gulping and dribbling and um, Tyrion is covering his mouth and politely belching and <laughs> making small sips and nibbles of cheese and, I don't know, it just... I thought it was Do you kind think of funny. that's like a class statement between the two of them, since you know Janos yeah. is the butcher and you know, Tyrion's the fancy lord? If it's not a class statement, I think it's a gourmet statement <laughs> <laughs> because I think George loves his food, and I think it's like the difference between somebody like shoveling down whatever and somebody who's really appreciating the cooking True. but i think it's also a class statement i honestly do and he's getting drunk both. yeah he's getting drunker but yeah probably class so Tyrion gets a little bit more direct with slint and he outright asks him who sent him after the whore and her baby but slint refuses to answer and they banter a little bit and Tyrion kind of slyly questions slint about how much Varys knew about ned stark's execution and Slint confirms that although, you know, Varys knows everything, he didn't know that. So it was like very much like the, the meatloaf. You know, he'll do anything for love, but he won't do that. <laughs> I don't know why that reminded me of that, but it completely did. <laughs> anyway. um, he also confirms that Cersei had little to do with it. And Slint really tries to pin the entire blame on Joffrey. But Tyrion points out that you know his wretched nephew is only 13 and obviously someone else was putting the thought in his head. And Slint reveals nothing, though, and he indignantly, he starts to be, get kind of indignant and claims, you know, Ned tried to buy him. And Tyrion responds, little dreaming that you had already been sold. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, we know as readers, you know, to get to the spoilers here, we know who set or who kind of set Joffrey on this course. Um, so, you know, Slint definitely has a little bit of loyalty to Littlefinger, apparently, which is a bit yeah. of a surprise throughout this whole conversation. Was that different? Did they? Is it the same in the show, or did I just miss that? Or I guess all the details because I was trying to work it out in my head as I was reading along, and I don't know. Oh, just that that. Well, I mean, that actually, it was, to be fair, uh, Flint might not have any idea that it was Littlefinger. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think so, and also because they changed it. Because in this one, we know for sure that it was Cersei who did it. Right. Oh, oh, it, you mean the? Yeah, the I, I meant Littlefinger, bastards? but yeah, yeah, I was thinking. Okay, that, yeah. I was thinking about Ned's execution. Oh, the, yeah, 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 that bastards. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Slint gets, starts to get pissed about the insult, and it's funny. Like he tries, he starts to try to pull rank as the you know the Lord of Harrenhal, and he calls Tyrion imp and dwarf. And Tyrion loses his cool, and you know he kind of he kind of drops the act. And Tyrion says, "Dwarf." His anger flashed. 
You could have stopped at Imp. I am Tyrion of House Lannister, and someday, if you have the sense the gods gave a sea slug, you will drop to your knees and thanks that it was me you had to deal with and not my lord father. Now, how many sons do you have? Which is like, when someone in Westbrook like, asks about your children, this is not a good sign. Like, they're not, like, right. trying to make small talk. It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> right. This well, is and shit. Did you notice he completely, speaking of class, as soon as he's threatened, as soon as he's scared, he drops the, like, he's he's back to my lord, my lord, yeah. please, my lord, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did anybody it, catch? Oh, no, what? I was going to say, it's it's very skin deep, that veneer there. Of uh, whatever of civility from yeah. from Tyrion or yeah. from Slint or from both, do you think? Actually, I think both of them. But I initially, when I I guess I was when I was saying that, I kind of meant Slint. But no, I think it's very. I think Tyrion himself. I mean, that very polite. It's it doesn't go very far. Mm-hmm. But I interrupted somebody. Oh, I was just gonna. It's it's back a little ways. But when he was talking about um, uh, Jay Slim Bywater how he lost his hand. Um, did anybody catch that where he says a poor trade, a hand for a sir? Did you guys think of Jamie at all? Oh, I thought about when that? they mentioned the type of hand that he had an iron hand. I was yeah. thinking that's kind of interesting, but yeah, that is interesting. I just thought it was kind of, yeah, a trade of, you know, a hand for a sir and how maybe Jamie becomes a truer knight after he, you know, loses his hand anyway. So Aww. that was kind of cool. Could be a little yeah. touch of foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. For maybe. Sure. Yeah. That's a great catch. So Tyrion assures Slint that his children will be cared for, but basically he's like, none of them are getting hair in hall. <laughs> it ain't happening. And, you know, even worse for Slint, he's going to be boarding a ship that very night for Eastwatch, Eastwatch by the sea, and, you know, spending the rest of his life in the Night's Watch. And Slint doesn't take it well, and there's a, a quick little passage. Uh, Once Jano Slint realized he was not to be summarily executed, color returned to his face. He thrust his jaw out. We will see about this, imp, dwarf. Perhaps it will be you on that ship. What do you think of that? Perhaps it will be you on the wall. He gave a bark of anxious laughter. You and your threats. Well, we will see. I am the king's friend, you know. We shall hear what Joffrey has to say about this. And Littlefinger and the queen. Oh, yes, Jano Slint has a good many friends. We will see who goes sailing. I promise you. Indeed, we will. <laughs> so really, uh... Do, no, he's drunk, but he's like he's, he's, ba- he's name dropping literally everybody he possibly can. Yeah, and I'm wondering whether his, you know, they're kind of underlined imp, imp, and dwarf. Does he disrespect him because of, or has is it because other people has he heard Cersei? Has he heard like what indication do people have? And I'm wondering because it seems like people sort of look down on him and treat him like crap. But you'd think it would be enough that he'd be a Lannister, that people would be a little intimidated or scared. Do they know? They must know that there's some kind of that the other family members. I'm assuming have a similar opinion because wouldn't if you thought the family was tight and everyone totally you know Cersei and Tywin yeah. totally loved Tyrion. Why would they risk talking to him like that? You know, people do that all the time. Yeah. So is this common no, knowledge really... that Tywin doesn't like him kind of thing? Well, or... I mean, I don't think Ty- you know, Tywin gave him the role of the hand. So I think it's more like Slynn's in tight with Cersei and Joffrey. And and he thinks they're, the, they're more important. They're running the show. Yeah. yeah. So he's taking their kind of opinion and of he- him. You know, yeah. somehow misti- somehow thinking that they're actually going to, you know, give a shit about what happens to him. Like, <laughs> you know, like, no, they can find someone to replace, you know, they can definitely find someone to replace him. And I think he he's be- mistakenly thinks he's more important to them than he Jeez. than he is. It's great because he's being extra insulting. It's not just like, oh, I'll talk to Cersei. It's like he's going 
all out, and maybe because he's drunk, I don't know. But he's really. Well, I mean, that's kind of the funny thing is, you know, did Tyrion make a mistake in getting him drunk? Because I think Tyrion just wants to, you know, Tyrion's already made up his mind here, so he really just wants information. And yeah. I don't, you know, Slint so drunk and angry that he, they never get to the point where Slint tries to give up information to save himself. You know? Yeah, may have uh, miscalculated. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So Slint tries to leave, but he's stopped by the new commander of City Watch, who is, of course, none other than Jacelyn Bywater. And Tyrion directs him to take Slint to his ship, along with several other men, including Aller Deem. And Tyrion asks Bywater to tell the captain that it'll be no biggie if Deem happens to be swept overboard, you know, <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think we ever hear of Aller Deem at the wall, so Must I, have I don't happened. think it went well for him. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, so he just kind of fell. He wanted to go to the depths. <laughs> Giant wave. You know, there was like a siren mermaid type situation. We don't really know what happened. Um, yeah, there's nothing in the wiki about him. It's just, you know, he's supposed to be thrown overboard, but we don't know yeah. if that happens. So Tyrion finishes the meal alone and he sits drinking until Varys joins him. And I, li- I like the description of, you know, Varys kind of you know, coming in and with the scent of lavender surrounding him. <laughs> and Varys compliments him on his handling of Slint. But Tyrion isn't happy, and he, he tells Varys that he's tempted to turn on him, too. And Varys has this really classic response. You might be disappointed by the result, Varys replied. The storms come and go. The waves crash overhead. The big fish eat the little fish, and I keep paddling. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like class, oh. like classic Varys. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So Tyrion, you know, has obviously tried to work some of this, work out some of these mysteries, and he he tells Varys that he suspects that Cersei sent the gold cloaks to kill that bastard baby, and Varys Varys's nervous laughter confirms it, and then Varys has. Varys is like his reaction is hilarious to me because he's like trying to claim that he didn't he just didn't have the heart to reveal such an ugly truth about Tyrion's dear sister which like uh, oh that's like just a pile of bullshit so I think at this point they're just kind of like enjoying being like plotty together you know oh, man. <laughs> and you know naturally you know Varys I, I don't you know, I'm not a fan, but I don't think he's a monster. And he he does express a little regret that he knew, but he couldn't do anything to save that baby girl. Yeah. But he did, you know, he does remark that he saved another boy, and we know it's Gendry. Yeah. So, you know, why? Why do we think that Varys um, saved him? I think because he's a piece that's useful, or potentially mm-hmm. useful. Just because he looks so much like Robert, or, or because... Well, he- I mean... Uh, I mean, he had some choice here, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's at least three kids that we know survive, but two of them are not in King's Landing. Um, Gendry's what? Isn't he the oldest? No, I think Maya's oldest. But the oldest male, right? Yeah, Uh, I assume so. Edric, I think. No, I think Edric is younger. I think Edric, because he's described as being like... 14 or something? Okay. Yeah, I think because he he's like playing with Shireen and stuff. I I think they're more close in age. Oh, so maybe even younger. And I think um, Gendry also has the benefit of looking spectacularly like. Yeah, Gendry's older by a good three years. Um, He looks spectacularly like Robert. 
So there's that too. Could be useful. And, but I think he's like a, a game piece. I don't think, I think Varys is just sort of hedging his bats. Oh yeah, I mean I'm sure it's nothing personal, you know. Well, no, but not, not gonna... like um no, but I mean like he's not saying, okay, he's the guy I'm going to go with. I think he's Oh, right. right. We to... know who he's going to go with. Yeah, but he's got like I mean, actually it's kind of interesting like <laughs> is he going to, you know, is he thinking, you know, maybe someday Gendry will be the Ori's Barath or Baratheon to, you know, Egan's Egan essentially. Hmm. And maybe yeah, I don't know, be useful. Yeah, or just, you know, you know, an of kind of of an age of with well, a little bit younger than Egan, but um, I wonder if it was just to have more irons in the fire kind of thing, just yeah. as like a backup or you know, kind of playing like, the game. If you want to cause chaos, which right. is always a useful method. I mean, you've got all these people who are trying to you know be in there for the throne, so you throw the bastard in. But he's disposable, and then you've got your fake Aegon guy. You always mm-hmm. can pull him in. But yeah, it looks like the only three that are still alive that we know of are Maya, Gendry, and Edric. And um, is it Bella, the one that Gendry almost slept with? Uh, I don't know if she's a conf- I don't know if she's a confirmed one, but I think she is. I don't. I'm looking at Tower of the Hand, and they Bella claims to be a uh, bastard, but there's yeah. no. He almost slept with his sister. Or half sister? Gendry did. Remember, like when they were at that the peach, like the, <laughs> the peach yeah. inn or something like that. The, and... the lucky peach or no, what? Yeah. What is it with George and incest? Dear <laughs> <laughs> <Near> Mrs. <laughs> but I, it, think, I mean, all she's going off of is um, she's just saying that. It okay. Yeah, you don't she have looks like him. Okay, but like she's, she's not... got the dark hair and the blue eyes. I think. But they don't yeah, say but for I don't know sure. that that's conclusive. <laughs> well, it is when you're looking at Lannister kids, apparently. That's how genetics works there. Yeah, okay, fine. But in any case, we don't have an... I think, it, in any case, Maya and uh, this Bella, if she is... I mean, they're girls. Yeah, and right. unless you're a door and they don't, you know, they don't count the way boys do, so... And bastards, they have to legitimize them, correct? To be king or yes. something. Yeah. So. I think only a king can do that. So I don't know how this would all yeah. work or whatever, but, you know... It's always good to have. Well, as far as he knows, they're heading north. So, yeah. Um, and you know, he intended them to be heading north with Ned, mm-hmm. who would certainly, you know, and I don't, you know, it's like so funny. Like, do they really think what Ned's gonna like march past Winterfell with like Yorn and these guys, and, like not just go home? Like, that's a good yeah. point. <laughs> that is a good point. I like they can fly and there. So I would assume, yeah, that you know. He would just, you know, he'd just, he'd just know. wave. Bye. Yeah, see you, kids. <laughs> um, so they, they talk a little bit more about Ned's execution. And, you know, Varys makes some comments that lead that should start to lead Tyrion to Littlefinger's involvement. But he won't, you know, he won't just spell it out. You know, he kind of makes a cryptic note about, you know, another, you know, other people potentially um, influencing Joffrey. And I'm wondering why you guys think, like, why why is Varys keeping Littlefinger's involvement in the dark here? And why does Tyrion never guess it in his POV? It just seems it seems odd to me that Tyrion never thinks it or that Varys never just tells him. Is it because does does the George not want the audience to like the reader to is there some reason like I mean it's a, I think the reader knows. Or, you know, the reader knows that Littlefinger betrayed Ned. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
But you know, is this like Varys' way of? Does Varys still want Littlefinger on the playing field because he's not ready to play his cards yet? Tyrion seems to be very. I mean, what keeps getting in the way for him is the personal stuff, and I'm wondering if that's what's part of it. How so? With in relation to Littlefinger, like just because he's pissed at Littlefinger. Well, I mean, he's getting a lot of information, but. He keeps like refocusing on things like Cersei. He's refocusing on oh, even his his comments, his inner monologue there about prostitutes and all this other stuff. It's always coming back to him. I mean, this is not uncommon. I mean, everybody does this. Yeah. It's you know, it's about yourself usually. But he's smart and he's clever, but maybe he's just there's so much out there that he's not picking up everything that he should be picking up. And, I you know, know. he does have a flashback, or not flashback, but he does have that, um, you know, he thinks back to his last time with Shay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he has that kind of insulting, like, you know, Shay obviously kind of wants to, like, do more. And he makes that comment about how she serves him best between the sheets, which is like every female reader is, like, punching Tyrion in the face right. for that. Like, you I can't remember where it is, but there's this very nasty little thought, like, can a whore ever love anybody? And I'm like, dude, you're asking, can the whore love the John? And that is a different question. But yes, of course, there are people. And he doesn't. He's totally Tywin's son, you know. (laughs) And, And there's one part where he mentions that he was not even sure if he wanted to touch Cersei and I'm assuming either take her down or do something to switch her, you know, her power position. But he mentions he's not even sure yet if he wants to do that. Like he's, he hates what she did, but he's still like, you know, he's sort of torn because he wants to still utilize her. And I thought that was kind of a little interesting tidbit. I mean, I think it's, you know, I think that, and I think rereading his chapters, I'll have a better, I'll have a better handle on it, but I, you know, I always have kind of felt that until, like, the very end of A Storm of Swords, like, there's a big part of Tyrion that, as much as he wanted approval from Tywin, he also wants approval and, like, affection from Cersei. Yeah, I think, oh, yeah. You know, I think it just takes a very that, yeah. ugly turn. Yeah, I think there's you know, something near there. at, like, the end, but, I mean, he really, you know, he, I mean, he wants that love, even from I, her. A cut, was it well, two episodes kind of, ago? It'd be I'm kind sorry. of like the ultimate triumph because all of her life she's treated him like garbage. If for her to finally acknowledge him as worthwhile, yeah. that would be that'd be something. Yeah. Was it a couple episodes ago when you guys were talking about uh, Tyrion, the the gross three way Tyrion Cersei? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what I, do you mean? I gross? actually thought of that. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, it's gross. I mean, the wonderful sibling. Yeah. Right. Um, no, but I actually thought of that. Of like, I wonder how much of it is, is, I mean, it's still twisted as hell, but jealousy. like, I wonder how much is jealousy and how he, you know, Jamie gets that love from Cersei and he doesn't get that love from her and how much of that kind of plays in into his feelings about all of that yeah as twist that could no it could be some kind of interesting sign of kind of like subconscious like you know this kind of weird freudian type nine years you know she's nine years older than you know an or and then Tyrion's an orphan and so you know also like in a weird way i think he 
could have expected her to be more of a maternal figure for him even. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, Jamie kind of took that role when you, you know, read yeah. about him teaching him to ride the horse, you know, like yeah. ride the pony and everything. And, you know, Cersei obviously never gave him the time of day. Yeah. That is, yeah. Well, he's, he's not, I mean, he doesn't have a mother, but he's not an right. orphan. Right, right. But they're but older I mean, enough that siblings, I guess that's a big enough age difference that you, you could kind of feel like an only child if you have that big of a gap, you know, and the other two right. are so close. Well, and I mean, I know people who come from large families and you might have a sibling who's, you know, nine or 10 years older and they almost invariably, because I think the parents just reach, what's the right word? There are limits and they're (laughs) like, okay, you take care of your brother and that's not an unnatural thing to Mm. have, you know, it's not an uncommon thing to have somebody who's going to be like, you know, kind of your caregiver. My oldest sister is 15 years older than me, so I mean, it's like, you know, she... She, of course, had to babysit, you know, (laughs) babysit me when she was, like, 15. Like, of course, why wouldn't she? Um, And, you know, even now, though, it's like, you know, there's that, with that big of a split between siblings, there is, like, a sibling, but then there's also, like, that other, you know, like, the more motherly relationship. I think it lessens as you get older, but, you know, it's certainly, it's not the same as, like, a sibling that you grow up, you know, beating each other up, you know? Yeah. 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 So, um, Vera's annoying riddle comes up again, and I literally, like, almost rolled my eyes when I was reading it, because I just hate, I hate riddles. Um, you know, where does power come from? Why do swordsmen obey? And he asks Tyrion, who truly killed Eddard Stark, do you think? Joffrey, who gave the command? Sir Illyn Payne, who swung the sword? Or another? And, you know, it says, Tyrion cocked his head sideways. <laughs> do you mean you're do you mean to answer your damn riddle or only make my headache worse? <laughs> I'm very happy about that. <laughs> and, you know, you can kind of see, like, the start of their little bromance here. You know, Varys tells them that kind of famous line about a very small man can cast a very large shadow. And Tyrion says he's growing strangely fond of Varys. And, you know, I think this is like, it's like drunk bromance talk if you cast it in that in that light, it, it's kind of delightful. You know, he's all of a sudden, like, wants to know, you know, where, who is Varys? Where are you from? You know, he's like, how did it feel, you know, do you remember, like, what is it like to be a eunuch? Like, he starts, like, asking them all these questions. And, you know, Varys, of course, is, you know, never answers any of them. He just kind of, you know, brushes all these questions aside. It's information that he's, you know, not, absolutely not willing to give Tyrion. But he will, he kind of, like... Um, distracts him with new information. So you know who is trying to def- who is trying to defect to Renly's camp, and we find out that Horace and Haber, the terribly named Redwine twins, are trying to. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's just so terrible because they should be like great catches, um, but they're just awful names. Well, that, the last and they're trying name is to sneak cool. away to Renly, <laughs> and you know Varys tells him about Timot. Um, killing a man who cheated at tiles and stuff. <laughs> and they talk a little bit more business, and then Varys leaves and, and Bronn enters, and he also confirms that Timot, son of Timot, killed a man. And, you know, Bronn's, Bronn's kind of talking about how he recruits got, how he recruits more men for Tyrion, and it's, you know, so ruthless. You know, well, if they can look like they can kill me, I hire them. And <laughs> kill you, well, then you should hire them instead of me. And it's 
know, but Tyrion, I mean, Tyrion's just absolutely not in the mood for it. Um, he asked Bronn, if Tyrion told him to kill a babe, would he do it without question? And, and Bronn just says, well, he'd ask how much. <laughs> Which, uh. And, you know, kind of ends with Tyrion realizing that he doesn't need a man like, like Allardeem. He's kind of brought his own monsters into the city. Yeah. I... I just felt so sad after that, like at the end, you know, where he's like, he wanted to weep. Um, it just reminded me, I don't know, like the two people that are sort of the closest to him in King's Landing right now, Bronn, his friend, and Shay, his lover, aren't, you know, they're not there for him. And he's he realizes that, you know, I think he kind of knows that. And they're in it for for themselves, you know, to, to do what's best for them. And it just reminded me of how really how lonely Tyrion is, you know, he's just, he just wants to be loved and nobody loves the poor guy. He, he <laughs> makes that sets himself up for, I mean, it's, it's funny because I keep forgetting, I, you know, I, and again, I confuse show Bronn and book Bronn all the time. And I think he's one of the few characters where I think they got him mostly right. But I mean, Tyrion intellectually knows that Shay is a prostitute who, you know, that's what she's there for. He intellectually right. knows that Bronn would sell out his mother for the right price. And yet he still ends up trusting them and he still ends up being hurt when they betray him. And I think he's got this idea that he's unlovable. So he's going to go out and buy the companionship yeah. And I mean, he sort of, I guess, sets himself up to be. <laughs> oh yeah, and he was also, you know, raised in in that world where, in time, a period of that world where, you know, growing up with a disability, uh, was probably a pretty traumatic experience in the sense that I I don't know that he would have had any. Yeah, <sighs> just really. I mean, it's so so. Um, the a Song of Ice and Fire tweet through. They're starting. Uh, a feast for crows, and you know, they're they're into the first chapter, the prologue with Pate in Old Town, and I was thinking, you know, that's where if Tywin had any kind of regard for Tyrion, if he wasn't going to make him, you know, if he was going to refuse to make him his heir, why didn't he send him to Old Town? Because there is that camaraderie between, you know, between the newbies there, and yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's intellectual based society, and Tyrion would have done really well and he would have had friends yeah that's and, a really good point that if he had been a very you know, specific yeah and i well, don't know if it's just like tywin can't abide by a lannister being in a position of service well it's sort of like Probably. they did that with sam too i mean his yeah. father i mean that would have been a, a perfect way to deal with the fact that he he wants the other son to inherit there you go it's legit you're you send your you know first pancake you know, son who's not quite what you want off somewhere into a respectable position, but he wouldn't do that. It's like a revenge. Right. It was a revenge. It was basically to get an angry choice, you know, well, I mean, revenge on you for not being a like, perfect child. He's like, you're either going to join the watch yeah. or I'm going to take you out and there'll be a hunting accident, which are oh, two horrible, yeah. you know, options. Yeah. Instead of, okay, you're an intellectual, you're sort of fit for this life, you go off and do this, which would have made far more sense. Yeah. Right, like it's such a, it's so rigid, they're so rigid in their thinking, it's, you know, there's no thought of, you know, I mean, we see it in the Starks, frankly, too, and it's like there's no thought of, hey, you know, Arya is not someone that's suited to be 
or you know at this point in her life you know yeah no maybe we should be looking for a different life for her rather than you know wife and mother or Although you know, her options are more li- I think right. I mean, a- a, for a woman in that time, the options are more limited, but it's the same kind of, like, no one's willing to, it seems like no one's really pursuing their passion unless their passion is something that happens is, to- you know, <laughs> <laughs> it just happens to randomly <laughs> coincide with. I think it's it's a stratified society. Yeah. Your kids are there to be game pieces, basically. And to help you advance your family, I mean, it's just, it's a really stupid way to do stuff, but it does make sense in the context of that world. I just don't, it's just, and it's just that stupid. Right. Everybody must be so well, overall it, miserable, honestly, with I was, <laughs> was going like, to say that, lovely, oops, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that I role play Marjorie in a dream with RPG, and it's been interesting because... I play her as not having had real friends before, just allies and enemies. So that while she's in this new situation, she's able to actually, you know, make friends and be valued for who she she is rather than just being, you know, the daughter of the Tyrells. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. If you think about for most of them, they probably wouldn't have a lot of... I mean, unless you're matching in rank and with all the other stuff, like, you know, this. Yeah, I mean, oh, what characters have, you know, obviously, you know, Rob, or not Rob, I mean, Rob doesn't really, I mean, he has Theon, but other than that, he doesn't have, well, I shouldn't say that. Like, Rob, you know, he kind of has friendships with, like, Darcy, you know, Daisy Mormon. You know, there's, like, all the people guarding, like, his close guards and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, John, of course, you know, makes, John actually has a lot of friends, but... Mm-hmm. You know, when we see, like, some of our other main characters, like, you know, I guess Cersei has friends, but they're completely, you know, one-sided in that she's yeah, kind yeah. of kill them. Everything. You know, Jamie, and she's willing to toss them down a well yeah. if it turns out she's yeah. they're interested yeah. in her father. I mean, Jamie has friends, but, you know, then there's characters that, my God, do they need, you know, like, you know, Kat obviously needed, no. needed a, you know, she needed a friend. I mean, she really kind of clung to, you know, clung to Brienne a bit and vice versa, which, but there was, you know, apparently no one else for her, you know, no one else well, that's, for her to talk to. The more I think about everybody so lonely. Really. Oh my gosh. Well, and you don't really hear, I mean, in all the, all the POVs from Tyrion, he doesn't, you never really get a sense that he, he's got anybody like that other than Bronn, <laughs> who yeah. is a sellsword. And I don't know. I just, it was yeah one of his last chapters I think when he's thinking about Robert and he like oh he kind of liked Robert and it's like yeah you know actually like he and Robert probably would have gotten like gotten yeah. along really well because they would have had fun together and you know they like the Tyrion's same thing. An, yeah and Tyrion's an intellectual but he's not an intellectual in the sense of um, not in a way that would irritate Robert frankly like. He's an intellectual for the sake of knowledge, at least at this point in his life, and that can be really interesting to be around, you know? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they don't, you know, it's like, God, these people need just need some friends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what's wrong with everyone. <laughs> well, you know, they're I mean, they're not really socialized. <laughs> yeah. And well, again, you have to, I mean, it, you're probably always thinking, well, it's probably like, you know, like you hear kids uh, who are like the children of famous people talk about you're never quite sure 
Like, is is this kid really my friend or are they my friend because right. my, my mom is somebody famous or my dad is somebody famous? And yeah. it's got to be the same thing. And you probably, in Tyrion's case, have a father who's continually going, well, of course they're using oh, you. Yeah. You're a piece of shit. And, you know, or whatever he would say. And well, also, and the I Tisha mean, would have, you know, completely cemented that perception. And then you've got Tyrion, who, I mean, because he is uh, a dwarf, I mean, that's sort of seen as like the manifestation of evil. I mean, you don't look right. I mean, that's not an uncommon thought in, right. uh, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, but you constantly have that feeding in, like, are these people really my friends or what are they out for? Except in his case, he sort of bought his companionship and then he makes the mistake of, you know, believing this kind of, yeah, not realizing there are limits. Like, I'm sure Bronn likes him. Of course. But there are limits to where that's going to go. Right. I mean, honestly, the only people Tyrion... The only people I feel like Tyrion could reasonably expect loyalty at this point, and I'm, I'm thinking into, like, A Dance with Dragons, like, obviously Penny would be loyal to him. I think Jamie would be loyal to him, given the opportunity. And, you know, Pod, probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he's Pod. got, you know, yeah, yeah. he's got those three, potentially. But, I mean, that's really, you know, which is more than I, you know, it's yeah. like one more maybe than he has right now. Like, he's made, like, you know, a friend, perhaps. But yeah, it's you can kind of see how I think Clotho said it. Like he's, or maybe was it? I don't know who said it. One of you, one of you, very smart people. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's a really good point that he's looking for. You know, he's looking for that emotional support, and it's really kind of affecting his ability to um, do his job a little bit. Uh, so that comes to the end of the chapter. Do we have any mail? Uh, we did have one question. It came in on, I believe, on Twitter, and it's Ian Trone who asks if Cersei and or if Tyrion and Cersei got along, could or would they be an unstoppable force in King's Landing? Which is, I think, a very interesting question. Oh yeah, hmm. I like that. Yeah, and Ian Trone is just, as an aside, has always been one of our biggest supporters on on Twitter, so it's great to get oh, a question. Yeah, I love their Twitter feed. They're just, they're just they know a lot about everything. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I guess I originally was like, oh yeah, you know, Dream Team, but then the more I thought of it, the more I was like, I don't know, because I don't know that they complement each other. Like, Tyrion, like, Tyrion is smart, and, you know, his, Cersei certainly needs Tyrion's intellect, but they're both a little, um, they're both a little ruthless and they're not well liked. Like to me, I felt like I was like, well, who would be a good team with Tyrion? And I actually think Marjorie and Tyrion are a better team because Tyrion kind of has the intellect and the ruthlessness and the str- and the strategic thinking, and Marjorie I think shares that strategic thinking, or at least I'm I'm projecting yeah. obviously show Marjorie on the book Marjorie a bit here, but Marjorie has like the public relations savvy in both versions of the story to kind of um, relay the message that Tyrion's work would do. Like, they would actually work really well together, whereas I think the small folk, I mean, Cersei's not popular, and Cersei would never, like, kneel down or lower herself to try to be popular. Yeah, I guess it would It would only count if, like, if Cersei was, 
Which would sort of change her personality. Because let's say if she was kind to Tyrion in, in, in any capacity, and yeah, that would. That I mean, it's not even just Tyrion. She's not kind to anyone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If she if she was kind like to Tyrion, then you think yeah, she'd have to be have the ability to be kind to others as well. Yeah, and they wouldn't be able to be that. partners. Is <laughs> yeah. what you're saying? Like, and Tyrion and Marjorie. By the way, if someone wants to make me ecstatic, that has been like an unfilled prompt of mine for a long time. I would love to read a canon Tyrion, Mar- Tyrion Marjorie story. But I mean, if if the question is, would they make a team? No, I don't think they could. I think Guile is absolutely right. They don't complement each other. Uh, if one of them is like backing the other up, that might work, like a sort of advisor advisee kind of relationship. But I don't think as a team that would be viable. I mean, she could benefit from Tyrion's advice, but <laughs> but she was, her ultimate goals are different, like you said. Well, I just think neither of them have the ability to sell it to other people. Like, they both have to rely. I mean, it's funny. Okay, I'm going to go back to Varys's riddle, which I hate. But it's like, <laughs> they both have to rely on the sword. Like, that is the, that's the root of their power. Like, why do people follow them? Because they have, you know, either, well, I guess death. I should take that back, money or the sword. Like, yeah. no one's going to follow them because they believe in what they're doing oh yeah that is a good point that the charismatic part doesn't really play <laughs> yep. yeah or there are limits with them yeah like yeah important limits that it might get you like they might be fascinating to hang out with or whatever probably a little well, bit I mean, scary you know, but i mean they're not yeah. enough that i'm gonna be like oh totally i'm following you yeah you know if jamie wasn't the kingslayer if he was just you know jamie lannister son of tywin Jamie and Tyrion would be like they would be that match. Jamie would play that same role as Marjorie as the pres, oh, the yeah, charismatic they would be a good... that people are. But yeah. you know, in this world, especially you know, in the context of King's Landing and the Iron Throne, you know, Jamie is the Kingslayer, and there's going to be people that are going to be against him just because of that. So I, I don't think that. Oh gosh, can you imagine if Jamie had taken a throne and Tyrion was the hand? Well, he was obviously too young then. But the hand- Tyrion <laughs> is the hand. <laughs> Jamie's Tyrion king. like eight years old. <laughs> 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 That'd be even more awesome. <laughs> great. I was yeah, about I mean, adults, but know, yeah. The, the funny thing is, you know, Jamie at imagine Jamie at the Iron Throne with you know Tywin as the hand. Um, or you know, or yeah. you know, John Aaron, but this time it's you know, this time it's Jamie. There's, you know, I mean, there's worse. Yeah. <laughs> there's worse combinations, that's for sure. Does anyone else have any comments on the chapter before we put it to bed? Yeah, um, I uh, we didn't really bring it up, but Janos's sigil um, and just how did that just make you guys roll your eyes even more at how awful he is? <laughs> the bloody speech. <laughs> they were so focused on it. I thought that was really interesting how focused he was on describing that. I guess you know trying to set the you know personality and Tyrion's response to it, but well, and that it was poorly made or not the sigil, but. Um... His actual was it his actual his like a, sword that was poorly made? I'm, it was like a cla- it was a clasp on his, but it was his. I guess it was a, the, oh, the clasp right. yeah, on the his clasp. cloak, but okay. I guess it was a sigil. Yeah, <laughs> which again I think goes into the whole, um, you know, like you're a class le- a class less um, up jumped butcher basically. Yeah, well, and the, it's the you know the spear that stabbed. Uh, oh, what's the guy in the back? Yeah. I can't think of his name. 
Oh, that was, was it? Dead. Was it yeah, he was Jory? head of the city watch. Yeah, who's the? Yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. just made I don't me even think it's classless. Thug. It's he's a thug, and he's celebrating the fact that he's a thug. Exactly, and he's, he's doing it in a way that his descendants will be celebrating the fact that he's a thug. And it's tacky to boot because he doesn't know. I mean, he can't get it made properly. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, if he was a butcher, wouldn't you have like a big meat cleaver? Because I think that would be kind of cool. Like a meat cleaver on a red background. <laughs> you know, like they're kind of scary. <laughs> Yeah, like take a little pride in yourself. Well, that's like Davos who refuses to have something like fancy on his sigil. He's got the three onions or whatever. Right, like, you know, <laughs> awesome. Well, like, I mean, he gets made fun of and he's always, I mean, onion night is not a term of affection, um, you know. Although there is House Dalt with its lemon sigil, which I've always appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know the deal with, with that, that one. <laughs> like why they're, you know, a field of lemons on <laughs> purple, but, you know. <laughs> I just George just sitting around like, well, what can we do with this? I <laughs> looks at old books and then just tries to like oh, yeah. modify them in oh, silly I ways. I bet you maybe. there's some wacky ones too. <laughs> oh, I'm betting he was like sitting at home and his eye got caught by like the fruit bowl or something. I was going to say, he's just looking around his house like, um, a lamp. Okay, there you go. A lamp lighter. Lamp. Well, there's this. <laughs> yes, yeah, right, right. There's this Game of Thrones role playing game app that I play a lot. And you play as an original character sworn to one of the main houses, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things you can do is you can create your own banner. <laughs> and they've got something like 20, 25 different things you can have on your banner. And some of them are just kind of redonk, like <laughs> a hand or I'm trying to think of like random body parts. parts, random a body butt. parts. Look at butt on your <laughs> House I would love like a spot sigil. Be awesome. <laughs> and then my words would be, "I like big butts and I cannot lie." Uh, <laughs> Sir, mix a lot. Yes, I like, <laughs> Oh, please, if there's Winds of Winter, please let there be a character. I don't, oh, my God, he could spell it really funny, like Mix, M-I-K-S, or something. Yeah. <laughs> like <the> stupid spelling. <laughs> M-Y-X-X, yeah. Oh, please, George, make it happen. Make it so. Uh, sometime within your lifetime, please. In my lifetime, I'm not picky. <laughs> Well, I think that brings us to the end of our episode, and you can find us on all the usual places. We are um, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, on Google Play, or and and or mm-hmm. you can become our Patreon, and you receive special benefits like episodes um, early, so you get that special preview before anyone else can hear it. And you can contact us at close the door and at gmail dot com. Find us on Tumblr, Facebook, and Twitter. And that's it. I'm closing the door. Get out.